0: raise your children. One of them was full of opinions about how to raise children. That was the man who had never had a child. And he was sure that he knew exactly what you needed to do. And this is what he was telling his friend who had the children. He said, listen, if you want your children to grow and flourish, then one of the things you've got to do is leave them completely alone you've got to let them go where they want to go you've got to let them do what you want they want to do you should never say no to your children you should never try to tell them how to live you've got to let them live an uninhibited life and if you do that then they will become everything they have the potential to become his friend listened to him patiently and did not say a word instead he said Let me take you out back. I want you to see my garden. And they went out back, and surely enough, he had planted a beautiful garden, kind of like yours, Nathan. It had rows of peas, and it had corn. It had watermelons growing. It had all kinds of beautiful vegetables. Everything was laid out in perfect row, and it was beautiful. Behind that, there were apple trees and peach trees that were loaded down with fruit. It was a beautiful sight. And his friend was so impressed, he said, you've done such a great job growing your garden. But he said, I do have a question. He said, beyond those trees in the back, it's been completely neglected. Weeds are there, brambles have grown, everything is overrun, it looks terrible. You've got this beautiful garden with this ugly, useless section out back. And his friend said, yeah, he said, I I do that on purpose. And he said, it's to remind myself. To remind myself of my own life spiritually. He said, you see, that part in the back that's so overrun, I just leave it alone. I don't do anything to fix it. I don't do anything to, to cultivate it. I don't do anything to take care of it. I just let it run wild. And this is what it's become. His friend understood what he was saying. If you're going to help your children to become everything they need to become, you've got to be very careful and very attentive. And you've got to do everything you can to help them become everything they ought to be. Some of the best parenting advice I remember getting years ago was someone who said to me, if you really want to do a good job raising your children, imagine the adult you want them to be. And then do everything between now and then to help them become that person. And it's important for us to hear that this morning because the message is not a parenting message. It's about spiritual growth. You see, Psalm 25, as we begin a new series on summer songs... Psalm 25 is all about how God wants to cultivate the lives of his people. That the Lord has a great plan for you and me. He wants our lives to be full of fruit. He wants us to walk with him and trust him. He wants us to experience the abundant life that Jesus promised to us. But he also says this, you can't have those things. You can't experience God's plan for your life if you neglect everything he's trying to teach you. You can't become everything God has it in mind for you to be unless you allow him to have his way in your life. For God's plan to be fulfilled in your life, two things have to happen. The first one is this, the Lord has to be hands-on with your life. The Lord has to take hold of you and make you everything you ought to be and fulfill every plan he has for you. And he does it in a hands-on kind of way. We're so grateful as we're going to learn that the Lord doesn't keep his distance in heaven and leave us alone. Instead, he's right where we are, blessing us and leading us. And then the second thing that has to happen is you have to make the decision, and I will surrender. I will let God have his way. As he is hands-on in my life, I will surrender and let him have his way. And Psalm 25 reveals what a teachable life looks like. David was hungry to be used by God. He wanted everything the Lord had planned for him, so he asked the Lord to cultivate his life And he asked it in three specific ways in the passage we read together a few moments ago. And you can do the same thing in your life. The first thing that David said to the Lord was this. Lord, show me your ways. Show me your ways. God wants you to learn through companionship with him. God wants you to learn because you've been with him and you've spent time with him. And he is with you in a constant way. And everything God does in your life begins with the quality of your personal life with him. Without a rich faith, growth is not going to happen. Unless you are trusting him every step of the way, you're never going to become what God had in mind for you to become when he saved you. The Bible reminds us that a teachable life always arises from a heart that is close to God. In fact, in the long run, it's the relationship that matters the most. When you ask the question, what's the most important thing about my faith in Christ Jesus? The most important thing is I have a personal relationship with him. I walk with him. I listen to him. He guides me and he blesses me. One of the things that constantly kept Jesus in trouble with the religious leaders of his day was the way that he continually referred to his father God. He called God, my father. He prayed personally, and when he addressed the Lord, he called him, you. His prayers were conversational. They were not memorized. He didn't pray to God according to the structures that had been given to him, handed down through the ages. Instead, he talked to his father the way he would talk to his earthly father. He had a relationship with God that was rich and real. And the leaders felt like Jesus was too reverent, was not reverent, I'm sorry, that he was too comfortable with God, that he talked to God in a way that just did not seem as though it was respectful to them. But it was the relationship that Jesus had with his heavenly father. It was the relationship that they shared with one another. And then Jesus said to his disciples, and I want my relationship with you to be exactly like the relationship I have with my father. I want us to walk together and know one another. I want to show you my ways. A real personal faith comes from staying close to Christ Jesus. You know, over the years, you've heard me talk about some of the pastors that I was privileged to serve under over the years. And I've been blessed with some incredible godly men that taught me so much about the practice of ministry and so much about what it means to walk with the Lord. They invested so much in my spiritual life. But here's the thing about it. As I learned from those men, I learned the things they taught me, the practical instructions they gave me, and I tried to remember as much as I could. But the real truth is the greatest part of their influence came from the relationship I had with them. It came from the fact that I watched their ways. I watched how they related to people. I watched how they preached God's word. I watched how they lived out their faith and how real it was. And as I watched those men, it affected who I was. And most of what I remember about what those men taught me is not the words that I was able to memorize. It's the relationship that I had with each of them. The same thing is true in your life. If you take a moment today and remember the people who have been most influential in your life, you would probably say the same thing. You might say it was one of your parents who had the greatest influence on your life. It might be a teacher that you had when you were very young. It might be a professor that you studied under in college. It might be someone who was a family friend. But there's somebody in your life that had tremendous influence over you. And when you think about them, you probably don't think about the lessons they sat down to teach you. You think about the example they set before you and what a difference they made in your life. And David, in speaking to the Lord, simply said this, Show me your ways. Father, show me what you are like so that as I see who you are and what you do in the lives of your people I will know that's what I want to be like do you want to be more like Christ this morning this is what I would tell you number one know him Know Him. Nobody's going to become more like the Lord unless you know the Lord, unless you have a personal relationship with Christ. And my prayer this morning is that each one of us in this room either knows Him or has a hunger to know Him as Savior and Lord. You need to know God as a personal reality, not something you believe about, but someone you believe in. You know him. And then the second thing you need to do is spend time with him. It's one thing to say I'm a believer. It's another thing to say I'm a practicing believer. I spend time with the Lord. I find that, that time in my day when I know I set this time apart to the Lord. The third thing is simply to pay attention to him and his word. What is God saying? When you read Psalm 25, how does it speak to your heart? That's as important as the words you hear from this pulpit. How does God speak to you in your heart of hearts? And then you listen to him when he answers your prayers. You know, one of the things that is amazing to me is how many times we pray and we ask God to act in our lives, and then we move on to the next prayer, and we never recognize when that prayer has been answered. We never come back to say, thank you. That's an important part of God showing you his way. Let the Lord rub off on you. It's as simple as that. When David faced Goliath, his relationship with God made all of the difference. You see, when David faced that Philistine giant, He didn't see the size of Goliath because he had spent years learning the size of his God. He had watched the Lord's way in his life. Show me your way. Then the second thing he says is this. He says, Lord, teach me your paths. God wants you to learn through obedience. If you're wise, then you know how much you need Christ's direction and guidance in your life. Unfortunately, we learn that too often the hard way. So many times I learned the lesson of obedience because I've practiced disobedience. So many times I learned to follow God's ways because I've trusted my own ways. And we learn too quickly that can't make the most important decisions on your own. Lord, teach me your paths. I have this feeling that when David wrote the 25th Psalm, that maybe he was thinking back to those early days as he was first being trusted to be a shepherd of his father's flocks. He was remembering how excited he was when his father called him in one day and said, David, you've reached that point in your life. You're old enough now. I'm going to send you out in the pastures, and I'm going to let you watch the flocks, just like your brothers watch the flocks, and just like the others, the other shepherds are watching the flocks. I'm going to send you out. And David understood this was a huge step toward becoming a man, and he was so excited to go. And he went out into the pastures, and he joined the others as the sheep were gathered across the hillside. And I don't know this for sure, but I imagine that when David arrived out into the pastures to join the others, that maybe they chose one of the other shepherds, one of those men who had been watching over the sheep for a lifetime, one who knew how to recognize each sheep and call it by name. One who knew how to provide. One who knew where the best water was. One who knew the path to the best pasture land. And I imagine that David attached himself to this experienced shepherd. And he learned day by day how to care for the flocks. How to protect them and provide for them and recognize them. And then he took that same approach toward his spiritual life. Just as he learned to stay close to that shepherd who was teaching him his craft, he learned to stay close to the Lord and let God show him and teach him his ways. David committed himself to an obedient lifestyle. Not enough to know what the Lord said, he wanted to walk where God walked. And so he prayed, "Lord, teach me your paths." And you and I need to follow David's pattern. First, you come to know the Lord personally, as we talked about. Then you learn how to trust him. Then you become confident in his guidance, and then you choose to follow his paths. Lord, show me how to live. Lord, Show me where to go. Lord, show me how to trust you. How does Jesus Christ become the most practical shepherd in your life? When you stay close to him and you follow his paths. And then David prayed, Lord, lead me in your truth. The Lord wants to teach you through instruction. David asked God for direction. He said, show me your ways, teach me your paths, lead me in your truth. And the Lord answered David's prayer. He teaches sinners in the way. The humble he guides in justice. The humble he teaches his way. David prayed and said, show me what your truth looks like, Father, and God instantly answered and for a lifetime guided him through the truth of his word. Nothing is more important for spiritual growth than to let the Lord teach you. At the beginning of this message I talked about the man who cultivated his garden and he did so carefully and he made sure the rows were straight and he made sure that everything had room to grow and he did things exactly the way they should have been done and the Lord does the same thing in our lives he teaches us in his truth and as he teaches us through his truth he straightens our lives as we grow through his word we recognize that he makes us fruitful As we let the Bible have its place in our lives, we realize I've got directions from God. I've got truth that I desperately need in order to follow him. Nothing is more important than to let him teach you through his word. It really works so simply. God reveals his truth. We apply it to our lives. Now, how hard is that? God teaches us his truth. We apply it to our lives. A flourishing Christian life is always planted in the soil of Scripture. Nobody is ever going to become everything the Lord has it in mind for them to be apart from the Word of God, apart from a constant exposure to the Word of God. For the past couple of months, our staff Bible study has been built upon a book called Beyond All You Could Ask and Think by Ray Pritchard. Ray Pritchard wrote this book and it really is about the prayers of the Apostle Paul. And each week we've been studying a different prayer of Paul. In this book, Ray Pritchard describes an encounter he had with a woman who was just feeling overwhelmed by life. Too much stress, too much pressure, too many problems. She was just about to give up. And she came to Pastor Ray and she asked, do you have any answers for me? And this is what Dr. Pritchard told her to do. He said, you need to go back to the things you believe the most and rebuild your faith from there. Go back to the very beginning, to the truth you learned And rebuild your life from the word of God. And then he said something really interesting. This is what he told her. He said good theology can save your life. Has anybody ever said that to you? I don't think anybody's ever said that to me good theology can change your life and she said what do you mean by that and he gave her a list of truths that you can hang on to no matter what he said here's some good theology god is good god is faithful he will never leave me his mercy endures forever god has a purpose He is working out his plan for me. God still loves me. The Holy Spirit indwells me. Jesus is alive today, and he will return someday. That's a lot of good truth. Every point, a message in its own. But he was saying to her, as you go back and remember those things that matter the most, remember the simple things. That God has told us in his word, you will find the place to rebuild your life and to reclaim your hope. And here's what makes each of those statements so important. And they all come directly from scripture. These are not points you heard in a sermon. These are not thoughts you had on your own. This is truth from the word of God. And you can hang on to it, and it will guide you. That's what makes the Bible so crucial for every believer. It's not because of the way the Bible makes you feel. It's not because it gives you devotional thoughts that you love to embrace. It's not because it tells great stories that have a wonderful moral. The Bible is critical because it is God's revealed truth. And every word of it is inspired. And every bit of it can be applied to your life. So much of the social and moral and spiritual confusion that afflicts our nation today can be traced to a single source. Now we can talk about here's the source of this and here's the reason for that and here's the disagreements with the other. But the truth is, the single source is this. People have made the decision not to trust God and his word. People have made the decision, my opinions are greater than God's opinions. My feelings are greater than God's truth. What I have decided by myself to believe is more important than what God has told me. And the way we come back from confusion is simply to take the Lord at his word and let him lead. Never forget this. When you hold the Bible in your hands, you hold the truest truth in all the world. The truest truth. And to the extent that your life is guided by the word, you will be blessed. And to the extent that you neglect or ignore the word you will forfeit that blessing and it's just as simple as that David prayed in Psalm 25 and he said Lord show me what your truth is not because he wanted to think about the truth or memorize the truth God, uh, David wanted to know what the truth was because the truth is the only way to God. And that's why verse 5 says, lead me in your truth and teach me for you are the God of my salvation. And really that's all any of us need to be able to say. Lead me, teach me. You are the God of my salvation. Show me, teach me, lead me. Each of these requests really have one critical prayer in common. It is a prayer that simply says, Lord, put me in a right relationship with you. Lord, put me where I belong, in your heart, in your will, your guidance show me how to live and walk with you this morning we come to that point where he simply says and you are the God of my salvation and one of the things that is just true is there comes that point in everybody's life where you make that salvation decision. Just a little while ago before the service, our brother from Brazil told me I came to know Jesus through the witness of an IMB missionary. You could tell me, this is that day of my salvation. And that's what all of us need and that's what all of us practice. That day of our salvation when we know we've trusted Jesus Christ as Savior and we follow him as Lord. And it may be that today you're here and you're not a believer you know all about the truth, but you've never experienced Jesus Christ as your personal Lord. You've never invited him to forgive your sins, to give you everlasting life, to make a commitment to him. Maybe today is the day when you need to trust Jesus. And if it is, then we're going to ask you in a moment as we stand, we're going to sing an invitation hymn. If you need to know Jesus, I'll be here. You just come forward and say, I want to trust Christ today. And I'll be here ready to meet you and introduce you to the Lord. Or maybe God's calling you. I want to be a part of First Baptist. I want to see what God is doing here. Maybe there's another decision. As we stand and as we sing, and as God's Spirit speaks to you, you come. Let's sing together.
1: Just to oh. Jesus, oh for grace, to trust him
0: more. And grace is going to be the subject that we're going to be looking together at tonight in the third chapter of Romans. So I invite you to be back at 5 o'clock for that. Then stay, we're going to have our second Sunday snack supper. That has become a real draw. Folks are enjoying that time, not so much the food, but the fellowship. But the food doesn't hurt. We're glad that you've been here. We are so glad. And I would love to invite all of our Baptist World Alliance, our international guests, uh, after our our closing uh, song. Would you all do us the favor of coming here to the front and gathering so we can just take a picture of you all together as a group of the folks who are here with us at First Baptist. And then as you leave today, I think we have a special gift uh, there for you. And we look forward to sharing that with you. Let's bow together for our final prayer. And then one last song. Father, we do thank you that you guide us, that you help us to walk straight paths, that you lead us to know your ways, that you teach us in your truth, that we trust you and you are our salvation. We do thank you, Lord, for these brothers and sisters who have joined us today, who are going to be here in Birmingham this week. Father, the Baptist World Alliance folks, the World Game folks. Father, so many folks who are gathered from around the world. Father, we just pray your blessing on them, your protection and your grace. But particularly, Lord, that you might uh, bind us all together through the fellowship that comes through our faith in Jesus Christ. In whose name we pray. Amen. so much for a wonderful day of worship.